Hello, 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 and welcome to Canadian Made. My name's Olivia, and each week on this podcast, we go behind the scenes of the Canadian entertainment industry to learn the stories of the unsung heroes who make content in this country. So if you are aspiring to get into the entertainment industry, if you are a bona fide member of the industry, or just someone who is very interested in learning more about the Canadian entertainment industry, this is the podcast for you. Today is an extra special episode because I am joined by writer, producer, Julie Puckrin. She's on the show today talking about her most recent gig where she was the showrunner on a show called Sky Med, which is available now on CBC Gem and Paramount+. And so, of course, we talk all about how the show was created and her process putting together a writer's room. We also talk more broadly about what it means to bring a female perspective into the writer's room. We talk about the female gaze, which is something I love to talk about. And she gives some amazing advice to young writers who are looking to break into the industry. So without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Julie. Okay, so I wanted to first ask you about where the original idea for SkyMed came, and maybe you can kind of talk us through the process of bringing it, you know, to your producers. Uh, my sister's a nurse, and my brother-in-law is a pilot, and they met flying air ambulances in Thompson, Manitoba. <laughs> And um, I always thought it would make for a great TV show because you have these young pilots who are right of flight school and they're going north to build their hours so that they can go to the commercial airlines. And you have these young nurses that are often like right out of nursing school and it's a chance for them to like get some experience on their resume and make some money. And so you have these really young people and they're going to do this job and they're in the middle of nowhere with kind of not a lot of support or supervision and they're doing this really intense job. And when they're not doing this intense job, they're living together. So they're all dating and partying and hooking up and breaking up and, and having all these great, you know, relationships that you have when you're in your young twenties. And I just always thought it would make such a great TV show. And it had been on my mind for a long time. And then, uh, when the pandemic hit, I finally had the time to sort of take a moment and start to develop it and start to think about what would this really look like as a TV show. And uh, I pitched it to CBC and they put it into development to write a pilot and then I approached Vanessa Piazza to be my producer because we'd worked together on nurses and we had a great relationship. And um, I really admire that Vanessa is someone who she always wants to put the writer first and she always really wants to respect the, the creative and the vision of the show, which I think is just so amazing. And she's so supportive that way. And she's also just a total firecracker like I really believe that Vanessa could do anything she puts her mind to like she could move a mountain if she wanted to like she's just that kind of a dynamic personality so I felt like she would be a really good partner for this project and so yeah so we we developed it with CBC and then um, CBC felt that they were not ready to to green light the show that it you know it was a little ambitious for them to move forward with and in the meantime, uh, we decided to take it out in the States because we'd had a lot of interest um, from American networks. And ultimately, uh, Paramount Plus wound up ordering the show. 
And then we took it back to CBC and said, Paramount Plus is going to make it. Do you want to come in? <laughs> and so it wound up kind of being, you know, the situation where we kind of got to work with everybody. So it was great. And then everything moved really fast. I, like it was, you know, we got the green light and then, you know, we hit the ground running and we, we wrote all the episodes. And before we knew it, we were in Manitoba filming. So it happened very fast. That's so exciting. And it's, it's actually funny because I'm from Manitoba. Oh, wow. And, um, my, one of my very best friends is a doctor and she, you know, had they, as they all do have to do parts of the residency up North. And I mean, she's told me so many crazy stories about being up there. And so when I heard you talking about your own family connection, what inspired you, I thought that that was really, really cool to take from, you know, your personal life and find this kind of like Grey's Anatomy level drama. Yeah. That's kind of in real life, which is cool. It is. Well, and it's and it's funny. It's interesting too that your friend is a doctor. So my dad is a doctor. I'm the only person in my family that's not in the medical profession. I'm the black sheep. But my <laughs> my dad's a doctor. And when he was right out of med school, he went to Wawa in Northern Ontario. And same thing. He was young and he was the only doctor. And some of the stories that he tells now, it's like, you wouldn't believe it growing up and living where we do in the South where you have such easy access to healthcare. You just wouldn't believe the kind of things that people have to regularly figure out how to deal with on their own. And it's, you know, especially for young people, it's a real uh, proving ground. A hundred percent. And, and, you know, not just doctors, teachers and all types of different people who go work up North. It's amazing to think that, you know, we have the same country and the same shared identity in that way. And we're living, such different lives. And so I think it's really interesting to shed a light on this different perspective in our country, which is really amazing. Yeah. So I also want to ask you, you know, there's a lot of, you know, medical dramas, procedural dramas out there. What kind of tips can you give to people who are interested in writing that, that type of genre for their script to really stand out from the pack? Oh man. Well, I mean, there's so many things I would say. um, One of the things I would say is when I started out in my writing career, I was a little bit intimidated by research. I don't know why, but it's like this thing where it's like you, it feels intimidating when you're going into a world that you don't know something about, like, like if you were to do a legal show or, or to do a police procedural or a medical show, it, it just seems overwhelming. Like, how am I going to learn enough about this to be able to write about it convincingly? But I would say that research really is your friend. And what's amazing is the kind of stories that come out of real life research. It's often so much more interesting and engaging than, than you could possibly imagine coming out of your own brain. And so I would say, you know, not to be afraid of research. And especially if you're lucky, like I am to have access to people who do these interesting jobs that are willing to talk to you and tell you their stories. um, It's actually you know, I love learning. And I think that's one of the great things about screenwriting is every new job you take, you are learning something new and you're experiencing a new life and a new world. And um, so I would say not to be afraid of research. And then the other thing that I would say is to not be afraid to bring your own identity and your own worldview and who you are to the show, because, you know, there are so many medical shows and what makes them different and, and what makes them stand out is the personality of the characters, the worldview and what you have to say. And for me, I, you know, I, I was just having a conversation with someone about this today where I was saying, you know, in a weird way, SkyMed is sort of 
everything Julie, <laughs> because there's, you know, I started out writing horror and some of the accidents that we have are kind of horror-ish and uh, there's aviation and then there's medicine, but then there's all the romance and the character drama, which is the stuff that I love so much. Like I just have always wanted to write a kissing show and that's what I did. And so, um, you know, I would say the things that make it unique is who you are and what voice you have to bring to it. So don't, don't be afraid when you're thinking so much about your audience I think sometimes, you know, sometimes people get advice to write things that are universally appealing. And in my experience as a viewer, as a reader and as a writer, when things are really specific to someone's lived experience, in a way that's more relatable. Sometimes the more specific things are, the more universal they become, because at the end of the day, we're all just human, right? And we're all having the same you know, I don't know what it's exactly like to be a pilot, but I can relate to a lot of those emotions. So I guess all of that is to say, don't be afraid to bring yourself and your perspective and your identity to your work, because that's what's going to make it exciting and interesting to people. Mm -hmm. So in terms of SkyMed, it was your first experience as a showrunner. Mm -hmm. And I'm you know, curious what kind of struggles and challenges that you faced stepping into this new and exciting role. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's interesting because I've, I've been lucky. I've worked on some really great TV shows with some really great showrunners. And so I've had some really wonderful mentors and people that I've learned from over my career. And, and I know so many great writers. Um, and so I, that was the part that I felt the most comfortable about with was the, was the writing. And even then, you know, there's things that you understand differently. Like you might, as a writer on a show, you might be watching a showrunner and you sort of think you're learning one lesson from them. And then you get into the job yourself and you're like, oh, <laughs> I see now why this went the way this went. And I, there's something else I learned from this person that I didn't even realize. And that's why they were doing it this way. So, you know, so the writing part of it is one thing. And then every production has its sort of challenges. And for us, you know, we were filming the first season of a show during COVID <laughs> and we're a location show. So, you know, if, if we were filming something in a swamp at night, we had to go to the swamp at night because we were kind of there from August through the January, we really had the full experience of Manitoba weather. So we were filming in plus 40 Celsius with the, the wildfires burning all around us. And then we were filming in minus 35, you know, freezing and, and gear was freezing and actors were freezing. And so, so the, the location of it and um, the, just the physical challenges of a big ambitious uh, location show was, you know, that there was, there were a lot of challenges and things to figure out around that. And then for me, I hadn't done a lot of time in post. I, I started out very early in my career working in, uh, I did a season on a reality TV show and I got to spend a lot of time with the editors on that. So I got to see a little bit about how post works. So I knew that there was a lot that could be done in post, like that you could completely rewrite stories and totally change things. And, but you kind of don't really know that until you're going through it yourself. And that was a real educational experience and I really enjoyed it because it it was almost like getting to write the show again <laughs> um so you know it was great and it's uh it, it was really interesting to see the show evolve through every stage right you write it and you have an idea in your head of what it's going to be and then you show up to production and some things are better than you thought and some things aren't quite what you thought and then you get to post and then you finally see what it actually is and uh it's cool it's a cool discovery especially with you actually being the creator of the story to have it really all started with a little seed in your head and to watch it come to fruition must just be like the best feeling in the world. <laughs> it is. And it's, and it's funny, you know, because the, there's, there's the times I remember being on set and I remember, um, 
uh, it was our intimacy coordinator, uh, Sharon Bezier, who's lovely and awesome. And I remember her saying when I was taking her onto set for the first time, she was looking at all of the sets and saying, wow, this all came from your head. Like, do you ever think about that? And I was like, honestly, I've been running around like a chicken with my head cut off. Like you hardly, you don't really get time to, and, and that was actually some advice that, um, one of my good friends, Andrew DeAngelis gave me, he's also been a showrunner and he said, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be intense, but try to, when you can take moments to just take it in and enjoy it and just experience it because you don't want to be so busy doing it that you miss it. So, yeah. So, but it, I mean, it is cool. You definitely have moments like uh, one of the characters is based uh, sort of loosely on my brother-in-law uh, Chopper, who's played by Pranita Killa, who is just awesome. Just, I love Pranita. He's fantastic. And it, there was a funny moment where, because my brother-in-law was also our aviation consultant, he came to set and he was there anytime we were doing anything in the airplane and, you know, teaching them how to be pilots. And there was just a funny moment on set where um, Pranit and Jamie were standing talking to each other. And I was just looking at them being like, they are the same person. Like, like Pranit is a lot like his character. He talks about that, but, but the character is Jamie. And it was just this weird moment of like, wow, this is all kinds of realities coming together right now. That's amazing. In terms of filming in Winnipeg, since you mentioned it, or not in Winnipeg, but specifically in Manitoba. Yeah. I think there's a bit of a buzz around Manitoba right now. For sure. Um, and I'm curious, you know, what your experience was actually with like the Manitoba film system and how you, how you found it, if it was a, you know, a hospitable place to be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because we, um, when we were there, I think, Winnipeg is used to having or or you know typically has about two productions at, going at any one time and I think when we were there there was something like five or six so it was a busy busy place it was very happening what what I sort of found is that you know everybody knows each other because it's a, such a smaller pool so you're working with people that know each other really well and have worked together a long time and there's also like the level of investment was like I was so proud of our crew and I was also like quite humbled by the level of investment that they all had in the show. Um, you know, it was not always an easy shoot, shoot because we're in the heat and we're in the cold and we're doing all this and it was an ambitious show. And, and they were all like, everybody there was so uh, committed and enthusiastic and excited. And like, it, it really felt like we were all doing something together. Um, so it, it was it was pretty great to have that feeling, that real camaraderie. That's so nice. And you know what? I actually spoke with the production team on The Porter, and yeah. they said very similar things about yeah. just how lovely the, the crew was in, in um, Winnipeg specifically, but because they were in Winnipeg. But yeah. that's, yeah, it's so cool. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I have a soft spot as well. I'm like yeah. rooting for Manitou. <laughs> so when you were putting together your writer's room for this show in particular, what kind of um, characteristics and qualities are you looking for in writers? And especially, you know, I'm sure you always have spots for seasoned writers, but yeah. those more junior writers that you take on the team, especially like what, what are you looking to see from them? If, you know, maybe their like CV or their resume isn't quite up to snuff or up to the level of, you know, you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is for me, I mean, I, I can only speak for myself because other showrunners have different priorities when they're hiring. But for me, uh, experience matters less. 
Um, because, you know, coming into the show, um, it's a really diverse cast. And I wanted to make sure that everybody that was on screen, there was someone in the writing room that could speak to that lived experience. So it was important to me, you know, that we were having the right voices in the room that could speak to the stories that we were telling. And then I wanted it to be people that um, were good people that were excited to be part of it, that were people that I wanted to spend eight hours a day, five days a week with having, you know, conversations with and talking about some of these, you know, really deep topics that we got into. And also people that, you know, were excited to do this kind of a show that were excited to do, you know, sort of a soapy character story. Um, so for me, it's one of those things where, you know, when I think about in terms of experience and things, experience has traditionally been used as a little bit of a, like a little bit of a gatekeeping device, right? That it's one of those things where you have to have experience to get experience. And for me, I just don't, I just don't believe that. I don't think it's right. I don't think it's fair because I think there's a lot of people with interesting voices and perspectives that haven't had the opportunity to tell stories. And they've said it's because of experience. So for me, it's more important that it's like, are these people who want to learn? Because even if you don't know right now, like the thing is writing is a muscle and it gets better and it gets stronger as you learn. And I was, you know, <laughs> I had a lot to learn when I started too. And I had really great mentors that, that did that for me and helped to teach me. So I feel like I can always help someone to move forward with their writing, but I can't change who someone is as a person. And I can't change if they're excited to be there. And I can't change if they're like an awesome person that you want to spend time with that like has an interesting perspective. And so for me, I feel like um, experience doesn't matter as much because, you know, that's my job to have experience. And it's my job to share that experience. I, I think that that's amazing. I, I think we all kind of got our start in the industry because somebody took a chance on us. Yes. And there is a point in everyone's career where you literally have no experience. And, um, and yeah, and I remember sitting in my job interview for this, just like begging for a chance and trying to, to, to like, let them know how excited I was about the industry and that I just wanted to be there. And, you know, people took a chance on me for that. So I think it's, I love to hear that there are people in positions of, you know, power and who are hiring, who care about, you know, who, who they're hiring and the personality of the person and their commitment to it rather than just like what's on your resume. I think it's, I think it's so important. And I think it's how we build an industry of people who like care, you know, care about making good content. (laughs) Yeah, I think so too. And the thing is that the, the trick with writing any TV show is that it's a group effort. So, you know, we'll all help each other across the finish line. We'll get there. Like, So you might as well give someone an opportunity who like is ready for it and wants it and is excited to be there. hundred percent. And so amazingly, this show was given the uh, reframe stamp for being a gender balanced production. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about what it actually means to be a gender balanced production and how you, how you achieve that? Well, I didn't even really know it was a thing until we got it. So I didn't set out to do it. It was just important to me. Like when, when we did the writing room, I had nine writers in my writing room and we only had uh, two men in the writing room. So it, it just right from the beginning, the show skewed quite female. 
more than half of our directors were women as well. So there's a whole point system that they uh, evaluate, you know, whether or not a project is, um, has, has gender parity. And then they also take into account um, intersectional equity. So things like, do you have uh, a female lead? Do you have a female lead of color? Do you have a you know, more than one female lead in your top five? Do you have a female lead of color in your top five? So it's this, it's this uh, point system. And, and when I went through the point system, I was like, we did really good. Like, and, it, and it, again, it, it wasn't anything that it was like, it, we weren't, I wasn't intentionally setting out to do it, but it, it's always in my mind that I love working with women and I want to work with women and I love working with diverse voices. And, um, so that just kind of worked out well. And I, I think the other thing too, one of the things I was aware of as we were writing the show is that it, it is coming a bit from a female gaze. Like it is, it is, you know, it's a story with a lot of male characters and it is a story about aviation, which is quite a male dominated field. But for me, because I'm a woman, it was always coming from a female perspective. And, you know, Vanessa and I just kind of, took that forward with all the other decisions that we made. And, you know, I, I would like to have more women on <laughs> the project, you know, in the future. Um, but it, it was not something that we set out to do consciously as much as it was, these are the people we want to work with. These are the kind of voices we want to hear from. I, I think it just sort of happened organically, which was great. Yeah. It's actually funny because in, um, just before I went to law school, I did a master's and my thesis paper was on the female gaze. Oh, wow. And this was kind of back before it was super yeah. trendy to talk about. I don't want to say that I'm the trendsetter, <laughs> but Jill Soloway had just kind of coined yes. it. It's like early days. Yeah. And so I have to ask you, cause I, I love talking about the female gaze. Yeah what, you know, some of the biggest differences you find, um, you know, as kind of like an aspiring auteur, I'm sure in some ways, uh, that, that results from the female gaze, you know, whether it be in the actual story, whether it be differences behind the camera. Well, well, yes, to, to all of that. I mean, I think, um, you know, it's interesting too, because one of the other things I recently discovered that I can't believe nobody talks about it. We talk about the hero's journey, but there's also something called the heroine's journey, which has been around just as long. It's just not as popular of an archetype that we base our kind of storytelling on. And one of the things that's uh, really big in the heroine's journey is this idea of found family and community and collaboration. So the hero's journey is all about the hero going away and isolating and doing by himself. And it's usually tragic. And the heroine's journey is all about relying on others and building connections and forming these sort of collaborative relationships. And to me, you know, as a showrunner, as a creator, I have opinions. There's a lot of things I want. But at the same time, I, I like to think of myself as collaborative, that I want to hear from people that I often, you know, whether it was in production or in post or, or for sure in the writing room, I was always asking everyone else, what do you think? How does everybody else feel about this? Does this feel right to all of us? And so that sort of collaborative nature and then, it, you know, in the story um, over the first season, it, it really does become a bit of a found family story and it is all about connection. And for me, you know, the, the big love story of the season that mattered the most to me was the relationship between Crystal and Haley. I cared more about that really than any of the romances. And I cared that when we were seeing uh, the male characters that we were seeing 
like healthy male friendships and supportive male friendships. And so, you know, we, we talked a lot about coming to it from a, from a collaborative point of view and coming to it from a, (laughs) the other thing too, this is just another funny thing that pops into my head is our, our costume designer pointed out to me and I hadn't even realized this. She said, you know, you get the men shirtless and undressed way more often than you undress the women. And I was like, really? Like I hadn't even noticed that that's what we were doing. And I guess I was just like, you know, for the female characters, I'm conscious of the fact that you don't want to get them undressed unless it's motivated. I mean, I don't think I undressed anyone unless it was motivated, but I just thought that was so interesting that maybe, maybe on a more male oriented show, there's uh, more reluctance to get the male characters undressed or, or more interest in seeing the female characters undressed. I don't know, but, but it, 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 I sort of became aware as we were making it that I'm like, yeah, this is coming from a female point of view. And then I think you had asked too, like, you know, how was it sort of behind the scenes? I mean, I remember having conversations with, uh, there's a line in the second episode where, um, Lexi says, you know, I, I screwed up on my line and dock and I already have two strikes against me. I'm a woman and I'm black. I remember having a conversation with a man who was working on the show and he's like, is that really something she would say? And I'm like, well, yeah. Like, why don't you think she would say that? And he's like, well, I don't know. I mean, is that something that, that women and black women talk about? And I'm like, yes. And like, if you haven't been like, I'm like, it just was so surprising to me, but I'm like, well, I guess if you're a white man, maybe you wouldn't have been around these conversations, but there's certainly conversations that myself and my female friends and my, especially female friends of color that we're having these conversations all the time. So for me, it was, of course it's in the script. Of course it's there. Whereas it might not be something that, you know, coming from a, a a white male perspective or a different perspective, they just wouldn't think to include it maybe because it maybe isn't part of their experience to have those kinds of conversations. hundred percent. It's this idea of like a totally different perspective coming from like the very inception of it. Yeah. Uh, So that's so interesting. I love, love talking about the female gaze. And I love that idea that the the community building, the fact that it's not, you're not in it alone and you're, you have this whole team of people. And I think that's like really exemplified by the fact that it's an ensemble show as well. Like it takes a village. For sure. For sure. It totally does. And and that, you know, uh, same, same with the writer's room is that I, you know, I wanted it to be all of us involved and everybody having a voice. So I think that just makes any show stronger. hundred percent, hundred percent. Not everyone has to be amazing at everything. That's um, right. Everyone can diversify and we can use all of our strengths together and exactly. mitigate the weaknesses, right? Yes. Yeah. So you have some experience working in the States mm-hmm. on motive for ABC. Yep. And I'm curious, you know, what, like what the differences you felt between an American writer's room versus a Canadian, Canadian writer's room and maybe how the expectations are different. So motive, um, it was on ABC, but it was also on CTV. So the writing room for that one was in Vancouver. It was Canadian writers. I apologize. That's okay. That's okay. But, um, I, I interned on Mad Men, which was in, uh, obviously in the States. And Mm -hmm. I also worked on, uh, Grace Point, which was an American remake of Broadchurch, um, that filmed in Victoria. So I think it's just, everything is up to 11 in the States, right? Like it's, you know, I think you just... I think everybody there is pushing themselves, you know, because there's, there is more competition and there, the expectations are, are higher. And, and I think people are 
pushing themselves harder. Having said that, I think that there are incredibly talented writers in Canada. And I think that there are um, Canadian writers who want to go to 12. And I, you know, I think it's, it's hard sometimes because the Canadian industry is smaller. We make fewer shows and, you know, in some ways, because our industry is smaller and because we are, um, you know, we have our, our, our PNI, like our programs of national interest that our broadcasters have to make in some way that should free us up to take more risks in the stories that we tell and the kind of shows that we make, because, you know, it's, it's not the same where in the States, everything is so driven by is the show a commercial success or not. And we have a little bit more leeway in Canada that way. And I think it's unfortunate that we don't use that leeway to take more risks and to push the storytelling because I think the talent is here and I think the voices are here and I think the passion is here. And I think as an industry overall, we need to take more risks. And I think that means things like giving people opportunities that maybe haven't had them before and creating room for voices that haven't had the platform before. So I, you know, I think we have the same level of talent here. Um, we just need to take more risks and create more opportunities for the talent that's here. Mm, that's a really interesting perspective. So with respect to Paramount coming on SkyMed mm-hmm. so early on, did it change anything about your process? You know, what was interesting is like coming into the show, um, I knew really clearly what kind of show it is. Like we were always saying it's Top Gun meets Grey's Anatomy. It's like, <laughs> I love it's, that. Yeah. It's 911 in the sky. Like that's what we were, we knew what it was. And, um, when we started working with Paramount or one of our first phone calls with them, they were like, so, you know, we just, we want to make like a big CBS style show. And I was like, yep, that's what we want to do too. And they were like, like, we want to make like an American style show that just like happens to be set in Canada. And I was like, yes, that's what we want to do too. So, I mean, but the good thing is we were, we were very much on the same page with them. And I think, you know, with CBC, this show is a little bit outside maybe what they normally make. So it was a bit of an experiment, a little bit of a risk. They were kind of pushing themselves. And I think what was helpful to us was the fact that Paramount very clearly knew what kind of show we were making. And so did we. And so I think it was helpful that if times, you know, if CBC was maybe a little bit like, we're not so sure about this, it was like, but we are, so don't worry. And so, you know, we kind of, we, we, we kind of got there, but, um, but yeah, for me, the, the goal was to make a Canadian show the American way. Can you articulate the American way? What you mean by that? Is that going to 11? Yeah. And for me, I think, you know, there's, um, sometimes there's a reluctance in Canadian TV to, to have conflict or to lean into the soap or to lean into the stakes. And, um, you know, American shows just go for that. And, and Canadians, for whatever reason, are a little bit more cautious about those things. And so for me, I always wanted to take the stakes to the highest level. And I always wanted to say, like, how could we make this the most intense version possible like you know I'm, I'm assuming you've seen the whole show so I hope there's no spoilers here if I but there's a there's a storyline where um I, I had read this nurse's memoir about a patient who had a carotid bleed so where her carotid the patient's carotid just like 
exploded. And this woman, this nurse had to like hold pressure on this person's uh, carotid artery and there was no OR available. And so she had to hold pressure for like a long time. And she had to stand in the perfect position because if she let pressure off, the person could just bleed out. And if she pushed too hard, the person could have an aneurysm or a stroke. So uh, I just thought it was such an intense situation. And I'm like, what if that happened in the back of an airplane? So like already it's tense. And then I'm like, what if the nurse who's doing it is by herself and the other pilot is somebody that she hooked up with once and he has to come back and help her. And even though she's like holding this guy's life in her hands and there's blood everywhere, emotionally, it's a sex scene because it's this intimate moment between them. And then later in the locker room, she's going to be wearing her undershirt and her underwear and she's going to look like Ripley from Aliens. It's going to be super intense and then they're going to make out. And it was like, so... For me, I was like, go to 11. And I don't know that, you know, I don't know that we always would do that in a Canadian show. Like, I don't know that we would always go to that place of crazy blood spattered making out. And then the ex, the girlfriend walks in and all like, you know, I just always was like, push it, push it, push it further. Um, so for me, that is, that is that American sensibility of kind of like dramatically go as high as you can go. Don't leave anything on the table. Um, so we tried to do that with, you know, within reason and, and with our little Canadian show that could (laughs) attitude, (laughs) we tried to do it. So have you noticed any difference with respect to the initial reception because Paramount Plus was attached like from the get-go? I mean, it's interesting because, um, I think a lot of people, there was like confusion at the beginning because I think, you know, typically Canadian shows, the Canadian broadcaster greenlights it, and then it's a sale to the U.S. afterwards. And I think most people assumed that that's what had happened with us. And there was a lot of being like, well, no, actually, that's kind of not how it came about. It was the other way around. Paramount ordered it. and then. Um, but the biggest difference I found is that when we were in production, everybody assumed we had a lot more money than we did because it was a Paramount show. So sometimes you'd be getting bills for things and you'd be like, why is this so expensive? Because you think we have Paramount money? Um, but... Uh, but yeah, I don't know. And I'm, and you know, it's been interesting too, because it's available to stream the whole season immediately on gem and on Paramount plus, and then it's airing weekly on CBC. And for me, I really feel that one of the strengths of the show is that it's, it's bingeable. Like it's just one of those ones. I can't say how many times people have said to me, I sat down to watch one episode and before I knew it, I'd seen the whole season, which is great. That's fantastic. And so it's been interesting to see the experience of people watching it every week versus being able to just consume the whole thing. Like the, the show came out July 10th and I remember just sort of like checking in a little bit on Twitter and seeing all these people that were like, well, I finished it. I watched the whole thing. And I'm like, that took us a year to make and you watched it in seven hours. Come on. (laughs) Um, So that, that's been a more interesting difference is the difference between being a streaming show in the States versus being a little bit more typical of a broadcast show in Canada um, has kind of been the, the biggest difference. Mm, that's interesting. <laughs> it's yeah. interesting here to hear from like a creator perspective about the binge, the binge factor. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, you, you want it to be bingeable, right? Because that's, you know, streamers as well. Like part of their metrics are, um, you know, if, if nobody watched the show at all, it would be because Paramount didn't do it a good enough job advertising it. But if people started watching the show and then stopped, it's because the show wasn't good enough to keep their attention, right? So for me, the fact that people 
binge it, I'm like, oh yes, that's what you want. Like it's, so it's great, but it is also means that people within a day of the show coming out, they were like, so where's season two? And it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it's just, it's, it's just a slightly different, uh, a different way to experience it. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, it's really interesting. And I'm finding it interesting how streamers are doing this return to the weekly episode, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I think, and I, for me, because that was a, that was a thing that I look, I, I mean, I feel like I, I have obviously so much affection for this show, but I, I know what it is. It's entertainment. It's fun. It's popcorn. And for me, it is one of those shows that it's good if you can watch the whole thing, because it is the kind of thing that you're like, well, that was a really fun afternoon wow look at that adventure I went on but I, I don't know that it's something where it's like Game of Thrones where you're like oh man I gotta come back next week I've gotta circle it in my calendar like I don't know I think it, it's more one of those shows where it's a delight if you find it and kind of enjoy it but you're not necessarily gonna be counting the hours until it's on again um, or at least that you know was kind of one of the things I was sort of thinking going into it so you know, and the way we wrote it for sure was designed to be, um, you know, hit next episode, hit next episode, and just keep consuming thing as one big story rather than nine episodes. I think it's really good perspective because it's something that you as a writer have to consider as sure. you're going into the writing room. So that's, uh, that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. In terms of, um, your career as a whole, if I can go there. Um, I'm curious, I feel like looking at your resume and your career, it seems like you've gone from strength to strength. And I'm curious if you have a moment where you faced some adversity and you thought, I can't go on with this industry. It's just too difficult. And how you overcame that because everything on the surface looks <laughs> sparkly clean and amazing. <laughs> It's so funny that you say that because I remember like years ago uh, when I was at the beginning and like had just finished my master's and you're trying to get your first job. I remember watching, it was like an Annie bio biography of um, Spielberg and the way that they lay it out, they're like, and then he did this and then he moved on to this. And then it just feels like everything just flowed seamlessly together. And you kind of forget that at the time, it probably didn't feel like that. And he had no idea what was coming next and, and how he was going to do it. But I think it's, you know, writers are notoriously anxious people so there's always a time like I feel like we always feel like oh no is this the wrong decision and is my career over and how am I going to make this work and um you know there's it, I've been really lucky and I've worked with some amazing people and I've been lucky to keep you know consistently working but I think I think the biggest battle that every writer has is with themselves um because you know, every time you sit down to write, you have to fight yourself a little bit to get in the chair and, and get writing. And, you know, I wrote a season of a show and I finished it. And now the thought of digging into season two, I'm like, can I do that again? I don't know. Do I have it in me? Can I write a TV show? How, I don't even know how to type. Like, it's like you, 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 you know, you have that battle constantly. And I think, you know, it's a, it's, it's one of those jobs where, certainly on day to day, like there's days when, you know, things aren't going right on set or when you're not making the traction that you want to make, or when you lost out an opportunity that you were really excited about. Like there's certainly times where you get caught up in it and you're like, Oh man, this is just, ugh, this is awful. And the thing that I always think is I would take the worst day on this job 
over anything else. Like even on the worst day, it's still the best day. And there were lots of times in Winnipeg where I would come home and be like, what have I done? And is this going to work? And how is this going to happen? And it's still the best job. And sometimes it's hard to remember that and keep it in perspective. But at the end of the day, it's like, I get paid to daydream for a living. Like, (laughs) how incredible is that? And then, and then you get this sort of fantastic experience of people watching it and connecting with it. And it's, it's, I mean, you know, I think if you'd asked me that question, like at the height of production, I might have had a different answer, but right now when I'm rested and I've had some sleep, um, no, it's, you know, it, it's every job is hard and has its challenges. And I, and I would just say to the one amazing thing about writers are even when it's going poorly, even when it's awful and it feels like you have no control and you're not getting the opportunities that you want. The thing that we can always do is write. Like it costs nothing. It's free. It's just your time. We can always write. And I remember one of my, when I did my master's, one of my professors saying, you know, when actors aren't working, there's nothing they can do. Like they can, all they can really do is go to the gym. And he said, the reason that writers are in terrible shape is because when we're not working, we can still be writing, right? So we don't have time to go to the gym. So, but it's true is the the thing that you always have that no one can take you from you is the writing. And at the end of the day, the thing that will get you out of any hole that you're in or out of any career slump or over the next hurdle will be writing. Thing that's cool too is like, no writing is ever wasted. Like if you write something today, maybe you sell it tomorrow or a year from now, even if you never sell it, you learn something through the writing of it and you, you got better. Like you just leveled up. So time spent writing is never wasted. That's amazing. That's amazing advice to any young writer out there. Who's just gunning. Mm -hmm. So my final question, the question I ask everyone, can you recommend a piece of Canadian content that, that you love that you think everyone should go check out? Oh, there's so much good Canadian TV. I mean, like I would say X company was a great show knowing that I worked on it, but only in the third season. So I can't totally get credit for it, but that was a, that was a great show. Um, and did some really risky things. And I learned so much from working on it. You know, Ginger Snaps also, like I'm sure people recommend that movie all the time, but that, that I remember, like there's, there's times when you watch things that you're like, wow, Canada can do this. And there, and there were a couple of things that stand out to me. Like, I remember feeling that way when I watched X Company, I felt that way when I watched Orphan Black, that I was like, wow. When I watched 19.2, the episode with the school shooting, I remember being like, whoa, like this is, this is what Canadian TV can do. Um, there's a great French Canadian movie called Maelstrom that I remember just like blew my mind. Um, and, and Ginger Snaps, I remember, I think I saw Ginger Snaps even before I thought I wanted to get into film and TV. And I just remember being like, whoa, we could make that in Canada. Like it's so fun and it's about something and it's so cool and interesting and and I, I think there, you know, it just goes back to what I was saying earlier that there's, there's a lot of talent in Canada and there's like, there's, there's people that want to make really cool projects and we just need to get behind them more because we are capable of so much. A hundred percent. I love that. That's a, such a great note to end on. So thank you so, so much. I had My so, pleasure. It was such a pleasure. <laughs> it was really fun. Thank you so much for asking me. Thank you for coming and being so generous with your advice and giving us all the behind the scenes scoop on SkyMed. Yay, thank you.